0: Well, we've now had two presidential elections in a row that the losing side believes were rigged. Hillary Clinton and her supporters believe she lost in 2016 because Vladimir Putin hacked our computers, meddled with our processes, and spread disinformation. Donald Trump and his supporters believe he lost in 2020 because everyone except Vladimir Putin did those things. Only a small minority of naive and ridiculous fools continue to cling to the absurd conspiracy theory that their candidate lost because more people voted for the other candidate. After all, what are the odds that so many tens of millions of people could just suddenly show up at polling places and simultaneously cast votes against the person you were hoping would win? So since no one seems to believe in our election system anymore, it's clearly time for us to choose our presidents by some other method instead of voting. For instance, after choosing our two candidates, we might sit back and let radical left-wingers and radical right-wingers fight one another on the streets of our major cities until everyone on both sides is dead. Then the rest of us could go out and vote. And after the results are tallied, we could endlessly sue one another and claim the election was rigged. Then the surviving left-wingers and right-wingers could fight one another on the streets of our major cities until everyone was dead. Then the Native Americans could have their continent back and elect a sky god to run the whole shebang. Until the ocean god rebels and the entire matter has to be resolved by a vote, followed by lawsuits, leading to a war in the heavens in which the universe is destroyed. Then Hillary Clinton can finally scratch and claw her way into the throne of chaos, screaming, at last, at last, I'm queen of the flaming ruins of all creation. Or we <laughs> could just do eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Either way would be more rational than the system we're using now. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. Honky tonky, life is tickety boo. Birds are winging, also singing. Honky dunkey, tonky doo. Ship shaped, ipsy topsy. The world is a zing. It's a wonderful day. Hurrah, hooray! It makes me want to sing. Oh, hooray! Hooray! Oh, hooray! Hooray! <laughs> All right, we are back, laughing our way. Through the fall of the republic, which is happening even <laughs> as we speak. If you want to know more about what we're doing here, all you have to do is go on YouTube, subscribe to the Andrew Klavan channel. We've got fresh content. We've got the content we do here, uncut uh, and uncensored. And uh, you can leave a you can ring that bell, and we will deliver fresh content to your door uh, in a truck in an unmarked package, so nobody will know what you're getting. Uh, and uh, if you leave a comment, and the comment is sufficiently annoying and alienates enough people, we will include it in the commentary here because it just fits right in. Today we have one from Slightly Drunk Gaming who says, My wife and I have been married for 14 years. She's Chinese, so I had to ask her, does she really love me, or is it just incredibly deep cover for her CCP spy ring? She responded that no communist government could afford to pay her enough to stick with me for that long. is just, just what she would say, right? If she were a communist spy, that's exactly what she They're very clever. All right, so I have to begin the show today with a personal note. Uh, this is the final week of a- Andrew Claven podcast before the Clavenless holidays begin. I'm not even sure I have enough time to lose all my listeners, so <laughs> we're, we're fighting against the clock. And after this, you're just going to have to somehow get by by celebrating the birth of the incarnate Word of God and the Savior of all mankind, which, you know, I mean, to you, you'll save money not buying so many presents to celebrate listening to my podcast. After New Year's, though, things are going to be different, and I'm not sure yet exactly how they're going to be different, but since last January, a year ago, before either the pandemic or the election really got started, I started thinking I wanted to do the show less often after the election, no matter who won. I love politics, and I love talking about politics, but the thing I love about politics is the way that flawed, corrupt, venal clowns have to represent pristine principles like liberty, equality, and justice, because that's just like a novel. It's great stories. It's absurd. It's funny. uh, And it gives you good insights into the human condition. What I've never been so big on is the whole, uh, you know, we're the good guys. You know, our politicians are good and their politicians are bad. And anyone who disagrees with me stinks. That's never, I've never, that's never represented reality to me. And what I have found is that talking about politics this much, uh, basically, takes me away from the larger picture and makes me, you know, close in on those kind of partisan fights, which I'm not as interested in, in, in because they don't tell me as much about the world, and that's what I really love to do. Plus. More importantly, it was making it very hard for me to find enough time to uh, write and tell stories, which is what I think I was made to do. So when Jeremy announced The Daily Wire was going to move to Nashville and was going to develop a cultural division, it seemed like the perfect opportunity. I told him I would like to do the show less often. Right now we're talking about maybe a Friday, a longer Friday show uh, once a week. And I would like to participate more in creating fictional content for the platform uh, and other places. I mean, I'm already doing a novel series and some other stuff. But I'm, we're negotiating uh, now over my show and over stuff I can do for the Daily Wire, and all of that negotiation is going is very friendly. It's going well, and so uh, that's that's what I'm looking forward to doing in the new year. And I just I, I just wanted to take a pause and tell you. What a joy it has been to do this show. And the joy of doing this show has been mostly, well, first of all, it's been working with the people on The Daily Wire, except for Knowles, obviously, but I mean, all the rest of them. They have been great friends. They have been great to work with. I have never laughed so hard in a workplace in my life. I've never had so much fun with people. I've never gotten along so well with people. And, it has, you know, except for my personal staff, I mean, obviously, I torment them, but the rest of them have just been great. And uh, And you. I just have loved talking to you. My favorite part of the show is doing the mailbag and during doing the all access Uh, Show where I get to answer questions and and also sometimes going out in person and talking to people. Uh, That has been my favorite part of all of this. I have loved meeting you. I love talking to you. I love hearing from you. And I'm hoping all of that will continue in the new show. I wish I could give you exactly what's going to happen. Like I said, we're talking about a long Friday, one long Friday show once a week and also still doing the all access shows. But I'm not exactly sure. I've now told you everything I know. uh, And I just wanted to tell you that I love you guys and I love The Daily Wire and I'm hoping all the those relationships are going to continue in the new year. So now let's talk about the fact that everybody has gone nuts. Uh- <laughs> You know, when when I am the sanest person in America, we are in deep trouble. Uh, There were, you know, the electors are going to vote today. Some of them are already voting and that will be the end. You know, it's going to be the end that it was going to be the decisive vote. Obviously, Congress still has to accept the electors votes. That's going to happen, too. Uh, There were big, big protests over the weekend. There was some violence when Antifa and Black Lives Matter attacked protesters and some of the protesters fought back and some uh, people were not. Of course, the media is blaming that all on the Trump voters, but Trump supporters. But it looked to me more like the uh, Antifa people and Black Lives Matter people attacked. Um, And, you know, it's funny because, you know, where I stand, I I stand on this. I am not convinced. I'm now pretty much convinced that the election wasn't stolen, though there were massive irregularities and uh, lots of things that should have been fixed. But I think looking at the numbers that they in fact they look very real to me over overall overall with some exceptions but i really hear what people are saying because what people are really saying is that it was unfair and that's true and the unfairness wasn't in the dominion machines it was really this the fake news for 4 years i mean this guy Donald Trump was sent to Washington to speak for the people who were forgotten and who were unseen, the people who were committing suicide in in droves out in the middle of the country because their jobs were gone, their culture was gone. They were derided uh, in everywhere they looked. If they went to a Hollywood movie, they were made fun of. If they turned on the news, they were told that they stink. They sent Donald Trump to send a message. That message was instead of being greeted by people by examining themselves, it was instead greeted by universal scorn. They hammered Donald Trump. They lied about him. Every word out of his mouth was misinterpreted as a as something that was racist or Hitlerian. Uh, he was never he never behaved in a racist way. He never behaved in a Hitlerian way. If anything, they really are scoring him for not being more authoritarian, for not taking a more authoritarian tone, and it just feels unfair. It feels unfair that corporate billionaires should have been able to lie, especially with the suppression of this Hunter Biden story, which was just one of the worst things I've ever seen in terms of, uh, uh, you know, journalistic malfeasance. And, you know, and now it just feels unfair and like, like the thing was rigged and stolen. And in some sense it was, but not in the way I think that Donald Trump is saying. And so everybody is kind of like really on edge and it's, and it's, A shame. It's not the way the country should be. You know what makes a great gift this holiday season? Legacy Box. I gave one of these last year, and the people just loved it. It's an effortless way to have your aging tapes, films, and photos digitally preserved on a modern format so that they're safe for generations. So many of us have these irreplaceable moments. We have tape, we have film, we have uh, photographs, and we can't watch them anymore on modern uh, devices. Your home movies have become like a time capsule, and Legacy Box can help you open that capsule and restore all those important moments so you can see them again. With Leg- Legacy Box, you can reclaim all the priceless footage you haven't been able to see in years. The service couldn't be simpler. Use their kit to safely send the moments you want preserved. Their team will create a digital archive by hand. Then you'll receive your new copies stored on the cloud, a thumb drive, or DVD, along with all the original Media, you sent them. I sent this to somebody who was not technically adept. They loved it, and it was really easy. Go to legacyboxcom Claven to take advantage of this limited time offer and get 50% off. Take advantage of this exclusive offer today, and then use their kit now and send it in whenever you're ready. Go to legacyboxcom claven and save 50% while supplies last. At last, you will be able to see. How you spell Clavin? it's K-L-A-V-A-N. There are no easy things. This is true. You know, the only thing I have to say is the way that they're treating the the protesters now, the Trump protesters, a lot different than the way they treated the Russian collusion hoaxers, and especially the big Russian collusion hoaxer, namely uh, Hillary Clinton. Let's just take a quick flashback to George Stephanopoulos, who once wrote a memoir in which he told... He reported telling Hillary Clinton, I love you, Hillary, has no journalistic reason. There's no reason that guy should be running a major network. I'm very, very suspicious of who killed the Jeffrey Epstein story over there during Hillary Clinton's race. But listen to how he and John Carl, a guy that, you know, people have been defending, but who was absolutely unhinged by Donald Trump. But listen to how they talked about Hillary Clinton throwing the accusations around years after the elections cut three. You saw Hillary Clinton back in the spotlight. Let's take a look at something she said. Epidemic of malicious fake news and false propaganda that flooded social media over the past year. It's now clear that so-called fake news can have real-world consequences. This isn't about politics or partisanship. Lives are at risk. Interesting choice there. She's not going away. Uh, absolutely not. You know, after that contentious 2000 campaign, which Al Gore won the popular vote and basically disappeared after the election, that is not going to be the case, I don't believe, with Hillary Clinton. She won a big popular vote victory. Her people will tell you she got more votes for president than any white male in American history. I do not think she is going away. She re- remains the most prominent voice in the Democratic Party. And yet you're not hearing the same tone of voice about Donald Trump. He's threatening our democracy and he's bringing everything down around his ears. But on our side, and I care more about our side because I think that we are when I say that we are the good guys, I don't mean we're better people than the left. All people are pretty much, uh, you know, have a. There's always a range of good and bad people on all sides. But our ideas, the ideas we represent, are the ideas that this country was founded on. theirs are not. They are openly anti-American. They openly say they hate America. They openly say that this country has racism in its DNA, which is false. It's just, it's just not true. I mean, I think all people are tribal, but this country is the least racist country in the world. But when I look at us, I'm. I you know, I'm concerned for us because you know I told you last week that this Texas-led lawsuit against the four states trying to overturn elections in the four states was going to be turned down by the Supreme Court, and it was turned down by the Supreme Court. Uh, Alito and Clarence Thomas—they just refused to hear it. Alito and Clarence Thomas dissented on a minor technicality they have this kind of offbeat view that the supreme court has to hear uh, lawsuits between the states but they indicated that they were not giving the actual suit you know, they were not giving any merit to the actual suit because Texas doesn't have the standing to sue. And Donald Trump is treating that like standing, like as if it were some kind of glitch in the legal system. But no, it's not. It's important. You know, I shouldn't be able to sue you because I don't like the way you're behaving. I have to be injured by you to sue you. And Texas can't prove that Texas should not be controlling Georgia or Michigan's election process any more than California should be controlling Texas's election process. So the the problem I have with this narrative is that we have to hate everybody, basically. Uh, We have to hate, you know, some people were saying, well, the Supreme Court failed us. They didn't have the courage to stand up. So we're going to say that Clarence Thomas didn't have the courage of his principles. That's what we have to believe in order to believe that, right? I mean, I don't think that the offensive line of the Baltimore Ravens could move Clarence Thomas off a point of principle. The idea that he hasn't got the courage to stand up and hear this case if he thought uh, and decide on this case if he thought it should be or say that it should be uh, is absurd. The same thing is true with Bill Barr. You know, like I have said, and I believe that Bill Barr is one of the best public servants. We've got him and Mike Pompeo, I think have been the jewels in the crown of the Trump administration. And everybody is jumping on him now because he suppressed the Hunter Biden story. He didn't talk about the Hunter Biden story, uh, the investigation into Biden's dealings with China and his taxes during the election. But that is Department of Justice policy. It is James Comey who basically violated that. And we don't want our guys doing that. We don't want our elections decided by investigations. And we don't want there to be a motive a motivation for investigators to misuse the Justice Department the way Obama misused the Justice Department. And you can say, well, they misused the Justice Department. Shouldn't we do it? That's part of being the good guy. What we should do is expose them, and hopefully John Durham will do that. I know people are bitter that he didn't do it in time for the election. But again, that's not the Department of Justice's job. It's not the Department of Justice's job to investigate the people we want them to investigate in the timing we want them to to affect elections. It's our job to win elections. And even in the unfairness that was there, even in the mail-in voting stuff, which was ripe for fraud, that's the election you have to win. That's the whole harsh thing about politics. And, you know, there was a, a... Another one of these cases, and I know know this aggravates people when I say this stuff, and I'm sorry to be aggravating, but otherwise, if you don't get a little aggravated, then you just are hiring people to tell you what you want to hear, and you don't want to do that. That's not the way to to figure out the world. You know, there was a case in Wisconsin that was uh, another case where they were suing to overturn the results there, and... They, they dismissed it, but they heard it. They heard the case. They listened to the case. And the same thing happened with this case that has happened with every other case, that the claims that the Trump lawyers made going in vanished in the courtroom. Uh, there was a, a, Andrew McCarthy was writing about this. They said at one point uh, that we have these the facts have been stipulated, which means everybody has agreed on what the facts are. Now, that happened just before the court went in, just before the two sides went into court. When they agree that they, when they stipulate the facts, that means they both agree. So all of the claims that 100,000 illegal ballots had been found, suddenly those claims were gone. And all they were really talking about were some minor details about the way the election was run, that the trial judge said, and he was a Trump trial judge, he said, you know, you could have claimed, complained about that before, but now it's too late to complain about that. And it's not, and they stopped making all the fraud cases. They stopped arguing about uh, fraud and all that, and it just disappeared. And the problem with this stuff is that it encourages the absolutely worst people in the movement to come out. There was, you know, there was a lot of protests, a lot of Um, marches and things. Some people claiming that Jesus was going to perform a miracle. And just remember, remember, the nations are dropping the bucket to God. He's seen nations rise and he's seen them fall. And if you believe that he put Trump in place, well, then you have to believe that what's happening now is his doing too. And of course, he does run the world. And so there's every chance that he's letting us make our own choices. But you know, there's, there's this clown, Nick Fuentes, who we've talked about before. I thought Knowles and I basically erased this guy, but he's still going out there. He's still got his fans and he's making this this speech, basically telling people not to vote for Republicans anymore because they're not the real deal. This is cut two. From now on, I identify not as a Republican. I identify as a Trump supporter. Yes! Yeah. to say anything. Is that me or is he wearing a Hitler mustache? Guys in the booth, he's wearing a Hitler mustache, isn't he? That's not just me. That's not just a a shadow. This is a guy who made jokes about the Holocaust, who made these little giggling, squirrely jokes online about the Holocaust. What's that? You think it's just a shadow? It's a... (laughs) Because I think it's, it's a pretty... If it's a shadow, it's like an act of God. It looks... He's got this little Hitler mustache. I was going to say, that's kind of a clue that you shouldn't be cheering for this guy, you know? It's like a little subtle, it's like one of those Sherlock Holmes things when a guy... (laughs) <laughs> that guy walks in with mud on his boots, and Sherlock Holmes says, oh, you know, he's an unmarried candlestick maker from Shropshire, a guy who laughed about the Holocaust showing up with that little shadow under his nose. You know, it's like, Hi, tell me, Sherlock, are you insane because he has a Hitler mustache and he laughed at the Holocaust? That you deduce from that that you shouldn't be cheering for a speech? Yes, Watson. You know my you know my methods, Watson. That's a clue. I call that a clue. If you have a Hitler mustache and you're laughing at the Holocaust, people should not be cheering for your speech." Uh, it's, a, it's amazing, Holmes. It's elementary, my dear Watson. Uh, you know, I'm just saying that it brings out this this kind of guy, which again, again, is going to endanger the only election that matters now, which is the election. The only election that's still going on, which is the election in Georgia. And if you think, well, we don't, we're going to punish those rhinos. We're going to, you know. That's not the way politics works. That's not that's not real life. You know, that is this revolutionary imagine this imaginary revolution that you're thinking is going to take place. That's not going to take place. And if we don't, you know, and it it really bugs me, too. Well, again, it's it alienates people from voting in Georgia, which is where we need the votes. Now, I know some of you weaklings have gotten on my pillow and are saying to yourself, wow, this is really a comfortable pillow. I am sleeping great you're not supposed to sleep on them. You're supposed to do what I do, which is lie awake on them. Because that way you can actually appreciate the comfort as the night moves into the early morning and you stare at the clock waiting for the alarm to go off. I love the My Pillow because I'm awake all night and it's incredibly comfortable. These sheets are incredibly comfortable. He's got these risers, these uh, mattress covers that are just terrific. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want and they maintain their shape and they're made in the USA. You know, they're made by Mike Lindell. You know him. You can get a queen size premium MyPillow regularly $69.98 for only $29.98. That's a $40 savings and Kings are only $5 now. Now is the best time to buy. Not only are you getting the lowest price ever, but they make great Christmas gifts. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Square. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream Bed Sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets. Or you can call 800-651-1148 and use promo code DAILYWIRE. The other thing that bugs me about this too is that Trump did such a great job. He had the most impressive one-term presidency that I can, I can think of. I mean, the only one, John Adams had a one-term presidency, but it wasn't that great a presidency. He helped start the peace, a true peace process in the Middle East. He stood up to Iran. He stood up to China, which was off the slate for the state department. They weren't thinking about that at all. China has been infiltrating businesses all around the world. And Trump sort of brought that into the, into the light. He's the guy who uh, engineered this operation war speed. The vaccinations are going out today. I was shocked not to find one outside my door. I don't understand how we're going to save the clavin if I'm not the, I, I thought it was going to be me, Healthcare workers, and then the elderly. But apparently, I don't know. I don't know what's happening to the priorities of this country. You know, he uh, he engineered a better economy before the pandemic hit, uh, helping the people who were committing suicide after three years of Trump. They were committing suicide less. That was an important thing. And the exposure of the fake news, and this is my problem, and I know I've said this before or at least hinted at it before, is I don't want him to give the news, the fake news guys, a win on the way out. I don't want him to become like what they said he was, you know, encouraging guys like Fuentes. Fuentes is a jerk, you know. I mean, I, they, I don't want him encouraging that that aspect of of the party. And I don't care if people think, oh, well, you're a fake conservative because you don't want to shut down all immigration. I don't want to shut down immigration. I want immigrants to come into this country and refresh this country with new ways of looking at things. I just want them to be the people that we choose, not the people who— sneak across the border. I want our laws to be good, but I am ha- I don't care what color they are. I don't care where they come from if they are signed on to the American project. I don't want people like Ilan Omar in this country coming into this country, but I do want people who are signed on to freedom. We've done that from the beginning. Uh, they're all colors, all kinds, all nations who want to be free. If they want that, I want them on board. So I'm not, I'm not signing on to that, and I don't think that that's what conservatism uh, looks like. But, you know, when you have... Michael Flynn saying, that here's, here's Michael Flynn. And I, look, you can't blame Michael Flynn for feeling grateful to Donald Trump. Michael Flynn was railroaded by the Obama administration and by James Comey's FBI. That was an incredible miscarriage of justice. They basically ruined the guy. They tried to ruin the guy's life. The judge wouldn't even stop prosecuting him after the prosecutors said they didn't have anything on him. It was unbelievable, an unbelievable torment of a, an American uh, military guy, just absolutely terrible. I can't blame him for being absolutely grateful to Trump for pardoning him. Uh, But this is what he says. Cut four. We will win. We will win. We will win. We will win. We will win because that is the truth. That is the truth. That is why we will win. Okay. that is why. And the truth, the truth will prevail. He trusts you. He trusts you because he knows You know what's going on and you will not allow what's happening to happen in our country. None of us will. It's just not going to happen. I will tell you one more time, because I've been asked on a scale of one to 10, who will be the next president of the United States? And I say, Donald Trump, 10, a 10. No, it's not going to happen. And like that's that that's the thing about, you know, experiencing grief. And people say, well, the move on crowd. Yeah, you have to move on because life moves on and we have to do that and we have to win Georgia. We have to fight the the next fight. And, you know, it, it's a, it's coming to be time for Trump to, to say that. And he can say whatever he wants about what he thinks happened in the election. Obviously, he's convinced of this and I, I don't agree with him, but he's convinced of it. And the reason I don't agree with him is because of the things he's saying don't don't hold together for me anymore. Uh, You know, Trump, uh, this cut 11. Take a look at uh, Trump cut 11. The spirit, the liveliness, the, right. the whole thing—even the fundraising, the money that's pouring in to fight this—it's one thing to say, you know, you ran a great race, congratulations. I'm okay with that, but they didn't. They didn't run a good race. They ran a horrible race from the basement. They ran a race where he didn't even run. Well, that well—that's true. But then he goes on to say that. uh he won in specific cities but that's not true he you know is his vote for biden in the cities was typical of democrat votes and i'm not saying those democrat votes aren't rigged believe me democrat cities are hotbeds of corruption but that's not where uh trump lost the election he lost it i think in the suburbs and you know again this is this is a the outrage is justifiable because it's not fair it is not fair that the american people are now fighting a corporate press a corporate Hollywood that's in bed with the Chinese that basically agrees that that America is a racist country that their ideas, their patriotism, represents some kind of threat to the greater world order that exists only in their imagination. They don't even have the right to go to work. They don't even have the right to go to work if people, if the people in power say, no, we're going to close your restaurants down because everything is unsafe. We're going to keep, you know, our restaurants open. We're going to go to restaurants and our big corporations are going to be fine, but your little business doesn't matter to us. It's not fair. And they, that's what people are saying. And that's the message behind what they're saying, but the details simply aren't true. And when they look at this Hunter Biden story, I mean, it is amazing. It is amazing that now after suppressing this Hunter Biden story, they're actually gaslighting us about the Hunter Biden story. Here is a story that was a legit story. It was a legit story that this guy was under investigation. The laptop story was legit. Big tech and big media combined to censor this story so that Biden would win the election. That's what happened. Major, major corporations, Universal that has deals with China and owns NBC, CBS, which cut the uh, offensive uh, scene from Top Gun, yeah, from the Top Gun remake, is owned by the same company as Paramount and CBS. All these companies these major, major companies that can make big money off a global world, whether China is running it or not. In fact, uh, China uh, authoritarianism gets in the way of people boycotting them and things like that. That may be great for them. All those people stomping on them, stomping on their candidate, telling them they're Nazis, telling them they're racist. It's not fair. And now when the thing is finally comes out, we got the New York Times, a former newspaper. They ran a story that was just pure gaslighting. I mean, it was like it it, could have been from the movie Gaslight. It's a newly disclosed federal tax investigation into his son will test President-elect Joseph R. Biden's stated commitment to independent law enforcement. The newly disclosed federal tax investigation. Well, that part of it was newly disclosed that confirming the investigation. But the story isn't newly disclosed. And then they go on to make it sound like Trump, unless President Trump's Justice Department clears Hunter Biden of wrongdoing before leaving office, the new president will confront the prospect of his own newly installed administration deciding how or whether to proceed with an inquiry. They make it sound like it's a Trump problem. They go go on. This whole story makes it sound like this dishonest Trump DOJ is hounding poor little Hunter Biden as if the story were made up instead of instead of there being evidence in public from that laptop laptop, that the story should be investigated. Here's Steve Scalise having an argument with Chris Wallace over it. Chris Wallace saying, well, I covered this. And, you know, it's just garbage. It's just garbage. This was a big, big story, a story that spoke to Joe Biden's uh, honesty, to his... uh, Relations with China to the security of the country. This is a story that could have changed the face of the election. An October surprise that was basically stomped down by the media. Here's uh, Steve Scalise talking to Chris Wallace. Cut one. Look, again, this is one of those things that that sows more distrust. You know, President Trump was laying this out. A New York Post, this was the infamous New York Post Front-page story that Twitter blocked because Twitter said it wasn't valid. I think you yourself even said you expressed concern about this story. Many in the mainstream media uh, were mocking people who were putting this story out there, and it turns out looks like it was true. Uh, and again, this this is something that's very serious. Uh, we need, and I think people deserve We don't know. We don't know if anything's true or not. We we just know that there's an investigation going on. Let, let me ask you a different right, question. But, Here's but even what president, yeah, but that was being laid out, and that's where Twitter blocked even this story by the New York Post. I never blocked it. I, I you know I reported on it. Yeah, come on, Chris, come on. And he says you know there's no proof that he's done anything wrong. That's true. But when did that become the rule? How did suddenly the rules change for how these stories are covered? And suddenly. You know, the accusation isn't a conviction of the crime. Well, that's true, but it wasn't true for Donald Trump. And it's not true for any Republican who gets accused of anything from Brett Kavanaugh on down. The minute those those accusations come out against a Republican, they're suddenly worth uh, they're suddenly credible. You keep hearing people use the word credible, which is a strange word to use when you're talking about legal proceedings. You know, to me, one of the most hilarious moments last week was uh, Fox's Griff Jenkins tried to ask Joe Biden, about this story and he was basically hauled away. Let's play this, this is cut 8. Did you talk to him? Did One thing on the Thank news is reaction Thank to you. the news of thanks the guys. investigation of your yeah, son thanks. honor. Help. Let's go. Everybody. <laughs> dragging him away. So <laughs> it's like you, know, you can't help but think about Donald Trump who would stand out in the rain, in the wind. It didn't matter. He would stand out outside his helicopter and they'd crowd around and they shout offensive questions at him and he would answer every single one. He kept talking and talking and talking. They dragged this guy away, but it's Donald Trump who's a threat to the First Amendment. Why? Because he called them fake news and because they're fake news. And that's a threat to them. That's a threat to their business model. This is, but it's not a threat to them to bug their phones like Obama did, to criminalize their activities like Obama did, to have, them dragged, to have reporters dragged away like you just saw with Joe Biden. That's not a threat. It's only a threat to actually expose what it is they're doing. So like all the other children, I will be staying awake Christmas Eve to see if Santa's there, but I don't have to go outside to do it. I can just look at my ring doorbell. These ring doorbells, these are great. Anybody comes to your door during this holiday season, and a lot of people will be coming to your door with deliveries and packages. And of course, the big fat guy with the red suit will be there. You want to be able to see all that happening. Talk to people no matter where you are with a ring doorbell. You can see them, talk to them on your phone no matter where you are. You can see and speak to whoever's at your door from anywhere with video doorbells. You can keep an eye on every corner of your house with easy-to-install indoor and outdoor cameras, and you can help protect your whole home with Ring Alarm, a powerful, affordable, whole-home security system you can easily install yourself. This holiday season, you want to be safe and secure, and you want to see Santa Claus come, so get yourself a ring kit for a limited time go to ring.com forward claven for special holiday offers that's ring.com forward claven if anyone comes to your door no matter where you are you can ask him how do you spell claven if he knows the answer call the police we have to talk also about apollo 11 because i know that's the big thing on your mind it's not however On Monday, December 21st, the historical docuseries Apollo 11, What We Saw, will be available exclusively at DailyWire.com. This was originally released as an audio podcast for Apple and Spotify. It was a huge hit. What We Saw will now be available to watch as well as listen on the Daily Wire, Apple TV, or Roku app, or at dailywire.com. This is Bill Whittle. Nobody knows more about aeronautics and the space program than Bill. He does such a great job when he is covering this stuff. The guy is a real pilot. You know, he used to get angry at me because when he found out I had a pilot's license too, he thought I was, you know, he thought that made me too cool, but I'm not a real pilot. I tootled around in planes, but this guy really knows how to fly and he really knows about aeronautics and he's just a really entertaining storyteller. And Apollo 11, what we saw is a dramatically inspiring story, a fantastic series to watch with your loved ones over the holidays. Holiday break, And you can get it for 20% off with code WATCH when you become an insider or above member over DailyWire.com slash subscribe. Make sure to download our Apple TV or Roku app to get all of our content on your big screen, including our podcasts and special live streams like our upcoming Christmas edition of Backstage. That's DailyWire.com slash subscribe to get 20% off your membership with code WATCH and access to all of our new and existing content. So now we can look forward, at least we can look forward to a poodle press again, watching the press kowtow to the speak uh, power to truth again. <laughs> we, can get, we can get ready for this. It's pretty amazing now how incredibly, how incredibly open our press is about the fact that they're going to lie to you. They're just like as they're defending themselves They're defending the idea of lying to it. You know, there was a leak at the end of last week. I think it happened after my last show. Uh, Joe Biden was caught on tape talking to civil rights leaders and telling them to ixnay on the defund the, the police day. You know, <laughs> don't, don't be talking about the defund the police. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll, we'll go after the police. Don't you worry. But don't call in it defunding the police because that's why we lost so many elections. Here's the clip. Uh, I think this is cut five. They've already labeled us as being defund the police. Anything we put forward in terms of the organizational structure to change policing, which I promise you will occur. Promise you just think to yourself and give me advice whether we should do that before January 5th, because that's how they beat the living hell out of us across the country, saying that we're talking about defunding the police. We're not. We're talking about holding them accountable. What's January 5th, you ask? It's the Georgia Senate election. He's telling them to keep their mouths shut. He's telling them to play politics. He's telling them to win in Georgia. He's telling them, don't say what we all know we're going to do because we want to win in Georgia. If only, if only the Republicans were playing the game that smart. See, Republicans think it's a crusade, but it's not. It's politics. And politics has to be played politically. We love Donald Trump. Because in part, because he's not a politician, because every w- thought that comes into his head comes out of his mouth. But unfortunately, when you're in politics, you got to be a politician in order to win. That's how politicians win. He only won by a miracle last time. And this time it, it got him in trouble. You know, that's that's Joe Biden doing what has to be done. And w- who is that really offending? It's offending Black Lives Matter. Why? Because Black Lives Matter wants to defund the police. They don't want to reform the police. They don't want to change the police. They want to defund the police. They, We got this going on in L.A., where this new guy, Gascon, who's a Soros uh, plant, uh, the new DA, Gascon. Isn't Gascon from, like, Beauty and the Beast, He's a big guy with a big chin? He's an idiot. Well, this guy, I don't know about the chin, but this guy basically wants to let criminals go free. In Seattle, they're telling people that if you report a robbery. uh, You're anti-poverty. You're a poverty bigot. You're a racist for reporting a robbery. These guys literally think that you're the bad guy and the criminals are just the poor victims of capitalist society. They mean it. So April Ryan, who is a CNN analyst and she's the American Urban Radio Network's uh, White House correspondent, April Ryan starts complaining about this. Remember, when the scandal is on the right, the scandal is the scandal. When the scandal is on the left, the scandal is wh- who, where the information come from? So April Ryan starts complaining about who leaked that uh, audio tape, and she wants the name. And she says, I asked uh, an incoming White House source, was the meeting contentious with civil rights leaders? And Joe Biden, the answer was no. Uh, the question is, who taped this meeting and why? What is the agenda? She wants to expose the leaker. So uh, another reporter at, at Vice a guy named Edward Ong, Ong Wizo Jr. started responded sarcastically on Twitter to this and was making fun of April Ryan. And said, it is responsible and sets a dangerous precedent for journalists covering the incoming administration to be able to use secretly recorded conversations in their stories to parse out Biden's thoughts and anticipate his policy commitments. You must go through proper channels. He's being sarcastic, right? He's saying the White House press secretary, the spokespeople for the president, vice president, senior officials, and the president's public statements are all designated and responsible sources for information about the president's thoughts and intentions. Revealing a contradiction between Biden's private thoughts and public statements is Dangerous because it erodes public trust in the president, the office, and the media itself. This is him joking around. Well, April Ryan responded, You hit the nail on the head. This is not good at all. So she is telling people you don't want to erode public trust in our fine, fine president Joe Biden by exposing what he really thinks. This is what she thinks the press should be doing. And you know, that's that's right out there in the open. This one guy on Vice is making it a joke. She's taking it seriously. So this is what we're going to see from now Then We've got the story from the Wall Street Journal. It's funny. For some reason, this was the kind of story I just don't care about. It's an op-ed by Joseph Epstein. But I I just happened to read it. It caught my eye. And and Epstein's a good writer. So I was reading uh, his prose. And he was saying that they keep calling Jill Biden, Dr. Jill Biden. And he says, he opens it up. He says, Madam First Lady, Mrs. Biden, Jill Kiddo. That's what Joe Biden calls her, Kiddo. A bit of advice on what may seem like a small, but I think is not an unimportant matter Any chance you might drop the doctor before your name? Dr. Jill Biden sounds and feels fraudulent not to say a touch comic. Your degree is, I believe, an education degree, a doctor of education earned at the University of Delaware through a dissertation with the unpromising title, Student Retention at the Community College Level Meeting Students' Needs. A wise man once said that no one should call himself doctor unless he has delivered a child. Think about it, Dr. Jill, and forthwith, drop the doc. Well, the left went crazy. His Her spokesman, uh, Michael La Rosa, tweeted to uh, James Toronto, who runs the op-ed side of the of the page, uh, you and the Wall Street Journal should be embarrassed to print the disgusting and sexist attack on on this on the WSJ opinion page. If you had any respect for women at all, you could remove the repugnant display of chauvinism from your paper and apologize to her. Whoopi Goldberg had this right, by the way. This is the way Whoopi Goldberg reacted to Jill Biden. Uh, this is cut 14. I'm hoping, yeah. Dr. Jill. Becomes a Surgeon General, his wife. Yeah, Joe, Cause Biden. Joe Biden's wife. Because she, you know, she he would mid- never do it. But she, yeah, she's a hell of a doctor. She's an amazing doctor. I, I a doctor and PhD. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't. I don't oh, know. I could Donna. be wrong. I, she had, thought yeah, she was, I, I think I she know. She, she's she's oh. a teacher, but you know, might know. might be good for Betsy DeVos's yeah. post. Well, Goldberg actually came out and said. She should be the Surgeon General because she's such a great doctor because everybody calls her a doctor. So she thought she should be the Surgeon General. Now, listen, my son, Spencer Clavin, no relation. He has a doctorate in classics, and I always tell him that he's going to be the first person I call if my humors are out of whack, you know, (laughs) because now now I believe. I'm very proud that he has that. I'm very proud he has a PhD. And I believe he has the right to put doctor on his correspondence. He has the right to put it on his business card. But you don't call him Dr. Claven. He's not a doctor. A doctor is a guy you call when you're sick. You know, that's so you don't call her Dr. Jill Biden. That's ridiculous. You can put it on on her page. And, you know, The New York Times, who, who's also complaining about this, they never do this. They don't even do it for Ben Carson, who's a brain surgeon. <laughs> but they're going to do it for Jill Biden. She's a doctor of education. Please. So Paul Gigo, I think he pronounced his name, is he's the editorial page director. So he wrote an op-ed answering them. He said, Why go to such lengths to highlight a single op-ed on a relatively minor issue? My guess is that the Biden team concluded it was a chance to use the big gun of identity politics to send a message to critics as it prepares to take power. There's nothing like playing the race or gender card to stifle criticism. It's the left's version of Donald Trump's enemy of the people tweets. And then he says... But the difference is that when Mr. Trump rants against the press, the press mobilizes in opposition. In this case, the Biden team was able to mobilize almost all of the press to join in denouncing Mr. Epstein and the Journal. Nearly every publication wrote about the Biden response reinforcing the Biden New York Times line. An opinion writer argued Jill Biden should drop the doctor, fewer strayed. This is the Times. They won't call Ben Carson a doctor all the time, but thinks that Jill Biden should be called the doctor. He says, this strategy worked to protect Joe and Hunter Biden during the campaign, so it's no surprise they're keeping it up as they head to the White House. Northwestern University, where Mr. Epstein taught for many years, did its part by denouncing him in a statement and appearing to purge his emeritus listing from its website. That's how powerful they are, and that's why people are out on the street. That's why they're protesting the election. That's why they're yelling at me, because it is unfair. It is unfair. We are living in an unfair world, and that's one of the things... I'm not one of these guys who thinks we should shrug it off and just say, "Ah, oh, well, it's unfair. That's the way we live. No, we have to fight back. We have to build a better uh, media. We have to s- go out and build a better Hollywood, a better news media, all those things. But but while we're in this situation, we have to beat them. That's the thing. We have to beat them. And and we didn't this time out. And that's just the reality of it. I've got to pause uh, just as as we reach the end here. I got to talk about uh, John Le Carre. And the reason I got to talk about John le Carré is the no- when I started writing novels, the novel was the big artistic form, and so it attracted talented people. Um, but the novel has kind of disappeared as a way that people actually communicate. I mean, I still love novels. I still will read a modern novel. There are some great novels still being written, mostly by me, but still. Uh, but John le Carré was one of the last genuinely great novelists whose novels really made an impact on the culture. Uh, he died, uh, he was 89, um, but he wrote these spy novels that came into a world where spies were thought of as James Bond. And he started writing, he had been uh, an intelligence officer, and he started writing about what he called the dirty little business of spying. His He wrote a couple of spy novels that were just mystery novels um, with a spy background, but then he wrote The Spy Who Came In From The Cold. And if you haven't read The Spy Who Came In From The Cold, it is a great, great book about the Cold War and about what spying is like, uh, the, what they call the Carla Trilogy or the Tinker Tailor Trilogy, which is Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, is about the exposing Kim Philby, the great British spy, a Kim Philby-like character, uh, the honorable schoolboy, Smiley's People. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is a wonderful novel. The last hundred pages of Smiley's People is as suspenseful as anything I've ever read, The Little Drummer Girl. His later books, after the Cold War ended, the ones I've read so far, have not been as good because he was not, you know, he was great about realizing that the West was right in the fight against communism, but he had a blind spot toward uh, Islamism. And instead of writing about Islamism as a bad movement, uh, he would write about gun dealers and it was all the fault of weapon dealers. But that was morally absurd. His book, The Constant Gardener, I think smacks of uh, anti-Semitism. And I think there was something a t- very typical British attitude, by the way, to elevate uh, Islam and denigrate the Jews. It's just something that is in the British mindset. And so his later books, the ones that I've read so far, uh, have not been anywhere near as good. But those early Cold War ones, The Little Drummer Girl, The Russia House, those are fantastic novels. He wrote in the uh, tradition of Henry James, very subtle. He wasn't as hard to read as Henry James, but he had a very subtle take on what was going on. And with the way, it, he even his prose kind of imitated the way spies look at people, the way they judge them, the way they pick at their motivations, and how can I use this person? Plus, they inspired some fantastic movies. If you haven't seen The Spy Who Came In From the Cold with Richard Burton, one of the Absolutely uh, hallmark movies of the Cold War. Uh, Richard Burton and Claire Bloom, one of Burton's really you know Burton was a great actor, but he was also a drunk who spent a lot of his time with uh, chasing after Elizabeth Taylor and didn't turn in that many great performances. This is one of his truly truly great performances. I know they made a good uh, version of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy recently, but the one that I thought was just great was the Alec Guinness TV series. I think it was about five or six episodes. Uh, that was absolutely terrific. And a, a movie that nobody, just a, a buried gem by Sidney Lumet is called The Deadly Affair with James Mason. And it's one of uh, Le Carre's early mystery stories um, with a spy background, and it's made into this very tough, very noir mystery story with James Mason as uh, the kind of smiley character, uh, and just terrific. The Deadly Affair, if you've never seen it, it's a lost, it's a lost gem. It really is. So John le Carré, one of the great novelists of the Cold War, one of the great novelists of the last, at the end of the last century, with Patrick O'Brien, I think, were the two truly great British novelists at the end of the last century. Uh, both of them gone. Both of them still very, very much worth reading reading, incredibly entertaining. Uh, rest in peace. Got to stop there, but I will be back again tomorrow if you can possibly stand it. Remember the last week before the Clavenless holidays, and then after that, the show will be changed. We're not exactly sure how, but it will be uh, a lot different. So enjoy me while you got me. Suck out all that claven goodness, because it won't last long. I'll see you tomorrow. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Edited by Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Mike Cormina. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. And our production assistants are McKenna Waters and Jacob Falash. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020.